listening to the Real Movies Podcast, a podcast about documentaries. This is episode 25, and I am Rob Carmack. I'm sitting here with John Rhodes. How's everybody out there? Today, John, we, we've been saving this one. Apparently, we've been saving it for longer than we expected <laughs> yeah, to be. Exactly. Uh, and this, this is, well, I, I guess we're doing two documentaries today. So the first documentary that we're doing is my, personally, I'm going to tip my hand right now. This is my favorite documentary. At minus that, well. I, that I've ever seen. Yes. Okay. So yeah. we're, we're going to do some gushing here yes. a little bit. However, we're compa- there's a companion documentary that was made separately but is quite similar uh, in terms of like who's in it and the subject matter. And it's uh, – so, so we're watching two of them back to back. And the first one that we're going to talk about is The King of Kong. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't do drugs. I play video games. It's a constant drive to be the best at something. When you want your name written into history, you have to pay the price. The fact of the matter is, Bill is the best classic arcade gamer of our era. I've probably seen Steve with tears in his eyes more than any other guy I know. Oh, he's just come up short in a lot of things in his life, and I just think... Nobody wants to do that all the time. Well, Donkey Kong, without question, is the hardest game. That's a tough machine. People think that the machine is possessed. The average Donkey Kong game doesn't last a minute. It's absolute brutality. Mysterious player from the West Coast, Steve Weeb is here. He could beat it if he... He'd have to have a really good game. You want to put a score up, you're competing against everybody in the world. It's not even about Donkey Kong anymore. He's a very devious person. He works things out to his end very well. Well, Billy Mitchell always has a plan. I, I don't know if you remember this, but the first time I met you, do you, do you remember the first thing I said to you was? You asked me if I'd seen King of Kong. Yeah, yeah I, the, the first sentence out of my mouth is, have you seen King of Kong? Yeah, because we talked, I think we talked hey, about yeah. Miss Pac-Man. Yeah. And, or, and, and so I think that led into, have you seen King of Kong? Yes. Yeah. And so, um, I, I love this movie. And as a matter of fact, I, this might have, this might be the movie I've seen more than any other movie in my entire life. Um, wow. Because I showed it to my class. And I would show You're it. You're a teacher. We yeah, should say. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a teacher, and I would show it to my class, and I would show it. I would show it to every class every nine weeks, and so for about four years, I was showing it three times every nine weeks. Meaning, I had to watch it three times every nine weeks, which you know puts it in it twelve times a year. For three years, so you're you're prepared yeah. to talk about so, this movie? Yeah, I can. I can talk about this movie. Uh, there are worse ways to spend a school day, right? Right. I, I would yeah. say. I mean, it was a great illustration for what we were doing in class, and yeah. since I get to make the lessons, I picked King of Kong. Very nice. <laughs> so, but yeah, um, no, it's basically the the story of two guys who are going for the world record of Donkey Kong. For well, those of you that haven't seen. And it, it it is a classic. I mean, really, this could this could have been a scripted movie. This, yes. is, this is a very structured three act. You've got you've got your underdog. It's basically Rocky. Yes, it is. It is Rocky for video games. It is because you've got your underdog, the guy who's who's been down and out. He's a teacher, much like yourself. Yep. And um, he has on the side become this is a guy named Steve Weeby. He's become sort of a, a Donkey Kong expert, and he he decides to submit his his personal score as, as like the all time world record setting high score of Donkey Kong to Twin Galaxies Arcade, which is like the big right. you know, arcade. And then you've got Billy Mitchell, the Apollo Creed of the film. Except Ap- Apollo Creed is much more magnanimous than, than Billy, Billy Mitchell. Mitchell. Yeah. Apollo Creed's kind of a good guy. Uh, Billy Mitchell's more of the uh I don't know, the Dolph Lundgren yeah, but if you're going to compare it to a Rocky movie. I mean, Apollo Creed doesn't have that sweet, sweet mullet. He doesn't, or the American flag tie. No, but he does have American flag shorts, doesn't he? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He does. So, wow. So maybe he is a little bit more like Apollo Creed. You know? Maybe he is. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people think Billy Mitchell's a pretty dang good guy, and we'll talk about that in a minute. So, yeah, the King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters, we should call it by its full yeah. title, uh, w- was made by a director named Seth Gordon, who has gone on to direct some features, including last year's big hit, uh, Horrible Bosses. Yeah, and he also directed Four Christmases, which he gave Steve Weeby like a cameo in. 
I did not know that. Yeah. Wow. I, because I've seen because I've seen King of Kong so many times when I was watching <laughs> when I was watching Four Christmases with my wife, we're going through and I'm not that enthused about it, but um all of a sudden I'm like, Holy crap, that's Steve Weeby and he's just sitting on the couch, he doesn't say anything. He's one of the husbands of one of the sisters of the people. It's not important in the movie, but it, it was just kind of funny because I knew who it was. How funny. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, he just gives him this little tiny cameo. And well, that's good. And <laughs> so now having seen King of Kong that many times, you could recognize any of these Twin Galaxies guys. Oh, I would totally recognize At the drop of a dime. Them. Absolutely. Wow. So, so yeah, King of Kong, and, and I, feel like, I feel like we can't really have a full conversation. Well, I mean, actually, yes, we can. Let's gush a little bit about King of Kong before yeah. we introduce our next movie. Because Absolutely. I feel like as soon as we introduce the next movie, the the tone of the conversation is going to change a bit. Yeah. What? Why is King of Kong your favorite doc- documentary? Let's. I mean, let's just straight up talk about why we love this movie. Well, I mean, most documentaries are most documentaries are just here's what happened, and King of Kong. Although I think it gets itself in trouble on the internet. It tells itself. It tells a story. It it becomes a movie that has like that is just really good. If you are not a documentary person, or if you want to introduce somebody to the world of documentaries, I think King of Kong is by far the best way to do that. Mm. Um, King of Kong allows somebody who doesn't like the documentary style to watch a movie and just be enamored with the story between David and Goliath with this, you know, larger than life character versus this guy that's down on his luck and just kind of, he's been fired from his job. He's been let go. He doesn't know who he is. He's always finished just underneath the top and, you know, his try and fight to, to, to get on top. Well, ex- I mean, like yeah. we said, it's Rocky. Yeah. So it's and, and you're right. I mean, th- this is a great. You say it's a good introduction to, to documentaries. This movie won me over to document before before I saw this movie, and this movie was highly recommended to me by somebody. I was not a documentary goer. Yeah. I would not go out of my way to watch documentaries ever. And so this movie made me think. Okay, if this is the way people are making documentaries now, I'm I'm going to pursue more of these. And in fact, every every episode of this podcast, every time we go looking for a movie, there's a part of me, and I, I realize this is unfair. There's a part of me that's waiting for the next King of Kong. Like right. every time we start, I start another documentary. I want it to be that good, and very rarely is it. I, I think the Interpreters is probably as close as it's it's gotten for me in terms of the interrupters. Interrupters, yeah, not yeah. The, inter- <laughs> the interpreters. Thank you. I don't know what the interpreters is. In fact, even as it came out of my mouth, I thought they're not interpreting yeah. anything. They're <laughs> sign language documentary. Yeah, <laughs> no, I'm sure that's out. Well, actually, yeah. we've done a sign language documentary. Yeah, we have. Sound and Fury. <laughs> and um, so no, like, and and that's unfair to the rest of the documentaries. But I I want them all to be this good. Right. King of Kong just I, in my mind takes it to a whole other level. And and maybe it's because Seth Gordon doesn't think like a documentarian. He thinks like a storyteller. Yeah, and and I think that's huge. And especially. If you're not, if you're, if you think documentaries are kind of a bad word, then watch this film and and you will completely look at it in a different light. Yeah, um, I mean, I read an interview with um, with Morgan. Um, oh my gosh, Spurlock, Spurlock with Morgan Spurlock, and he he's was, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he's he's a documentarian, and he kind of had this. His ploy was for people to start watching more documentaries, and he labeled this as the greatest documentary of all time. Uh, I mean, and wow, and he said, well, <laughs> he said, so it's all downhill from here. Well, no, is no, what, no, no. I after mean, this podcast, yeah, I guess. But <laughs> I mean, he basically was saying he was like, look, if you think documentaries are just this, you know. Real boring, you know, shot of a historical event with a voiceover um, or some kind of Ken Burns type thing. I love that Ken Burns has yeah. become synonymous with like dry documentary. Right. You know? Ken Burns has his place, and what he does, I mean, and that whole that whole thing has its place, and it it's great for what it is. But I think there's a lot of people who get bored with that, 
And Morgan Spurlock's like, you're not watching the right documentaries. Mm -hmm. And he references several that we've already watched. In this article that I read, um, he referenced King of Kong is the greatest. He also references Darkon. He also references, um, oh, well, we haven't watched it, but um, one of my other favorites that I've seen before is Hands on a Hard Body. Oh, I um, love that movie. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's enough, that, that falls into the same line as King of Kong. It's like you've got it, – it's a, it's a different archetype, but it's, it's, it's the same in terms of like this is a kind of story that people yes, tell. you are telling a story. And so we'll have to do, we'll have to do um, Hands on a Hard Body soon. That one's difficult because yeah. it's not available anywhere except for VHS. Which I have a copy. Excellent. Yes. So the problem is our listeners, all 17 of them, uh-huh. are going to have to, like, come to your house and watch it together. Right. And then maybe we can just do the Everybody podcast can live. Have, <clears throat> sure. Uh, party at my house. So. <laughs> um, all right. So anyway, back to King of Kong. Yes. <clears throat> I mean, this movie, this movie has so many good things going for it. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that, that taints this movie is that there are there are a little bit of there's a controversy in in the in the process of telling the story do the facts get twisted and there is a whole thing on the internet about whether or not everything is factual within King of Kong or whether he tried to tell the story more than he tried to tell more than he tried to document the facts and I think some of that comes from revisionist history that the people at Twin Galaxies and Walter Day and Billy Mitchell don't like how they were portrayed. But at the same time, um, it's kind of come to the light that that they have tried to go back and change the way things were perceived. And, um, I mean, I don't think that any documentary can always tell 100% of the truth from from every side. No. Like, you, you kind of have to say, this is what we're going with to make the movie work, or else, I mean, every side has its own story, and you just end up with a bunch of conflicting things going on. Well, and, and that's the thing is, I mean, every time you watch a documentary, and we've talked about this before, <clears throat> is like you're, you're looking at an hour and a half's worth of hopefully the best footage out of about 300 hours of yeah. footage. And so, I mean, you can't, like, I would imagine every documentarian has to, at the end of shooting, has to come to a point of, okay, we could tell about ten different stories here. We have to choose the one that's most compelling, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, thankfully, King of Conks, Seth Gordon chose a good, compelling story. However, at the expense of the other 200-plus ep- hours of, of footage. Yeah. And so, I mean, that, that's, that's the problem. Is you, I mean, beca- because this is not a Ken Burns style of filmmaking – you're you're going to leave things on the cutting room floor that someone in the world is going to be like whoa, whoa, whoa where where did this part go yeah. you know and so I don't think that's fair to the filmmaker you can't make that kind of documentary if you want it to be interesting you have to tell it from someone's perspective yeah and if everybody's perspective is going to leave out somebody else's perspective well and I I got fascinated also with with the fact um, that it kind of dives into this nerd culture of retro video games and. Some of what happens is a lot of these guys who are these elite gamers, these elite retro gamers, are kind of a close-knit group of guys who have been playing and communicating with each other since the 80s. Which I think that's a good segue into movie number two that we're talking about, which is Chasing Ghosts. Right. So go ahead. And so, like, it kind of dips its toe into this – King of Kong dips its toe into there's this group of video game guys and Billy Mitchell has kind of been their leader for a long time. Well, yeah, he's a rock star yes. in the, in this Twin Galaxies universe. Yes, because he um I mean, he had multiple records for a long time and and most of them have all been broken and Donkey Kong was the last one to be broken, but one of the one of his huge claims to fame is he was the first guy to ever get a perfect Pac-Man score, mm-hmm. and in which he got every dot, every uh, piece of fruit, every um, every ghost, ghost on every single level 
and didn't miss one of them for for the perfect score. Was it like 256 boards? Yeah, something like that. I mean, yeah. it was some crazy number. I'm not exactly sure, but it was it was unbelievable. He and said how many hours? Like he 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 said how many hours it took him to do it. It was, it was a lot. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I, I don't remember the amount of hours that he said, but I mean, this guy is definitely when it comes to these old school early 80s video games, he is better than probably anybody you've ever seen play. I mean, like, there is no doubt that he has skill. Like, nobody says, I don't think Billy Mitchell's really that good. Like, he is. He's really that good. Yeah. He's just also a jerk. Yeah, and this is what's interesting about the complaints about King of Kong, is if you watch King of Kong and then watch Chasing Ghosts, which features all the, with the exception of Steve Wiebe, yes. all, all the same people are in Chasing Ghosts. And Billy Mitchell, while he doesn't come off as the bully... Because he doesn't have someone, he doesn't have a victim. He doesn't have Steve Wiebe there to bully. Right. He still comes off as a jerk. You know what I mean? Like I don't watch Chasing Ghosts and think, "Wow, that's a totally different guy." Obviously, the King of Kong footage is doctored. No, he he. I totally. I watch Chasing Ghosts, which is pretty. I mean, I can, those guys are much more, like you said, much more receptive to Chasing Ghosts than they are to King of Kong. It doesn't surprise me in the least. Watching every foot, every every minute of footage in Chasing Ghosts. Does not leave me thinking, oh, maybe I got Billy Mitchell all wrong. No. It doesn't surprise me at all that he ends up being the bully in King of Kong. Well, it, it what it, it does to me is it shows me that within King of Kong, you see that there's like, if Billy does something, everybody is like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And so Billy gets his records and Billy can submit his records via tape that he just sends in on a whim and things like that. Um, and so... In the process, in Chasing Ghosts, you see how tight Billy is with the people who are in authority at Twin Galaxies. Like Walter Day, specifically. Like Walter Day and uh, Robert Mertzak and and these people who are are kind of the scorekeepers and the official, like, referees and stuff. When Billy Mitchell does something, they're like, oh, yeah, it's Billy Mitchell, so it's got to be good. So whether or not... He has doctored his score or whether or not um, everything is on the up and up or official or whatever. Because in a, in a situation within King of Kong, um, Steve Wiebe goes to beat the high score live because they rejected his videotape scores. As soon as he does that, um, one of, one of um, Billy Mitchell's little minions submits a tape. That shows Billy Mitchell beating it on tape with a higher score. And everybody is just like in awe and enamored because it's Billy as opposed to, I mean, Steve Wiebe is there live. like, And they go ahead and kind of confirm Billy Mitchell's tape on the spot. Mm-hmm. Just boom, done. Like no questions asked. Whereas like Steve Wiebe's scores have been, have been, gone over with a fine tooth comb and then turned around to like be invalid because he has a relationship with another really interesting character that we see again in Chasing Ghost named uh Mr. Awesome. Yeah, he he's basically the same person in both films as well. Oh my gosh, but he is <laughs> he is a total tool. Yeah, like, he this is. This guy is just completely and totally um I mean, he is an he is he may be the most delusional guy in the whole thing, which is really saying something because spe- specifically, Chasing Ghosts, in my opinion, is a movie primarily about delusions of grandeur. Yeah. So to to be basically, you're you're the shortest midget in the room, essentially. If you're the most delusional guy, no offense to smaller people. Apologies yeah. for that analogy. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this guy is, is Roy Schilt is his name, and I didn't even know that. I've yeah. just been calling him Mr. Awesome. Yeah, well, it's hard to look past. <laughs> it's hard to look past the fact that he calls himself Mr. Awesome, and he thinks he is awesome for a missile command score. And quite honestly, if you were to ask me to name all of the early '80s video games, 
I would not have been able to call – I would not have been able to name you Missile Command. No. Well, and he says it's because Missile Command is is harder and more challenging yes. and a better game. Right. He says the only reason people like Donkey Kong and Pac-Man is because they're easy, and that's why everybody plays them, exactly. which is ridiculous. Yeah. If anybody's ever played Pac-Man – or uh, Donkey Kong especially, Donkey Kong is dang near impossible. Donkey that Kong is a is, hard game. It's so hard. So I don't know what the, I don't know what this guy's talking about. Missile Command is I agree. It's it's one of the more obscure games in the arcade vault. So yeah, it's a I mean I I mean I really enjoyed I really enjoyed seeing these characters. It was kind of weird because I, I look at sometimes I do look at King of Kong as like this really great movie that oh yeah, it's also about real life, so it's a documentary. Yeah. But then, like, Chasing Ghost was almost behind the scenes. It was almost like... It was like it was like bonus footage. Yes, it you know? was. It was a lot like, hey, here's a bunch of bonus footage from this other DVD, and let's show you the whole thing, because it was, it was great. I, I mean, I actually enjoyed it as well, because I do kind of enjoy that nerd, that nerd culture of people who kind of get into something and go as hard as they can at it and and you know put their whole being into it. Um It is a fascinating world. So yeah, I mean Definitely. so let's talk a little bit more about about chasing ghosts and what it is because it's not just Billy Mitchell in this one. There it, it goes through and tells all of these gamers and kind of what they did and and how they were and Beginning and, with Walter Day. Like yeah. it, it kind of begins with the origins of the Twin Galaxy arcade. And and it references uh, a reference from uh, King of Kong. If you've seen that, it starts with this Life magazine decided to take a picture and put on their cover the um, like this picture of all of the, um, the the best video game players in the country, and and from this picture, they interviewed all of these people and kind of came and said, how do you guys know each other? How have you kept up with each other? What have you done? Um, and and it all centers around this photo shoot from Life Magazine when these elite gamers kind of got together. And obviously, this was before the internet. This was before people could search each other out and be Facebook friends and be, you know, follow each other on Twitter. And I'm sure that it's easier for those people who do a, who do gaming now and who are big in the gaming world to play each other because they just have to get online right and they can play each other in whatever game they want to play yeah but back then they literally had to fly to the middle of iowa well and there was a game show they show they show footage yeah, 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 there's, yeah. there's a game show where people would go it was called was it that's, that's incredible? incredible well that's incredible was a game show that just showed people doing incredible things, and it picked three gamers mm-hmm. to be on that show and and play each other for what they considered the world championship, even though all three of those guys were like, look, any one of us could have won this on any day. Yeah, which, I mean, but, but to your point, that's, I mean, you'd never have a show like that now because YouTube gives us la- that yep. or, absolutely. you know, Xbox Live or whatever. Yeah. No, absolutely, yeah. YouTube has... has Totally changed how that would work. You can watch anybody set whatever score you want. We we actually YouTube. we have a guy. We're we're sitting in an office in a church building right now. We have a guy who offices right next door to us named Matthew Martin. Hope he doesn't mind me saying his name. He is a competitive Street Fighter player. Oh, oh okay. No, no, no. Player. Sorry. <laughs> when you said I should not have paused. You paused, and I was like, <laughs> "Well, that's." Awesome, but what does it have to do with this? No, no. If you ever, if you ever met this guy, you would never believe he was an actual Street Fighter. Okay. He is a competitive Street Fighter player. I okay. should have, con- yeah. I, I should have connected those words a little more tightly. And um, I, he uh, he will go. He'll, in fact, there's a lot of tournaments he plays in around here in the Metroplex, and he'll go and he'll he'll make money like playing people in Street Fighter. That's awesome. So, but yeah, so like you're saying, there, there's a culture for that. Well, and. Like something that we haven't even touched on or mentioned is that I believe you could probably be in the top twenty in Miss Pac-Man, couldn't you? Uh, well, uh, not according to Walter Day or Steve Weeby or, or uh, 
what's that guy? Billy, Billy Mitchell. <laughs> because I didn't take out my motherboard and like film it and yeah. everything like that. But yeah, I have a I have a Miss Pac Man machine in my house, and I got a. How do I, See now off the top of my head, I'm not remembering what my high score. I think it's two hundred fifty six thousand. Right. Which you looked it up, right? Yeah. It's like On what Twin the Galaxies. You'd be the fifteenth best player in the world in in Miss Pac Man. See, there you go. I mean, that's. Uh, that's something I can be proud of. And I really want to – like there's a part of me that's like, yeah, I'm going to film myself. But then you said, well, you got to pull out the motherboard and film all that. And I'm I'm way too lazy to, <laughs> yeah. to do that. I, it, for, to be 15th. If, if the if it was like in the top five, I'd be like, okay, I'm going to I'm gonna do that. But oh. Yeah, like the top, <laughs> the, the top Miss Pac-Man score I think is like triple that. It's ridiculous. I mean it must, it must have taken somebody a whole day to do it. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's a, that's a tough game, Miss Pac-Man. Um, so, but but yeah, and and there's a lot of variables, and I'm I'm glad in chasing ghosts. I was glad it it addressed some of them. Like for example, in arcades, a lot of times there is a add another quarter, continue your game option, which yeah. And I I am this is the one moment where I found myself totally agreeing with Billy Mitchell, where he was like <laughs> he was like you can you know anybody can set any score they want if they're willing to pay. You know what I mean? The yeah. The 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 honor in the battle of it all is like how far can you go on one quarter, and that's um. That, and that that's that's a that's a really good point, right? So and good job, Billy Mitchell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, and and I'm sure even, his hot sauce is delicious as well. And go ahead. Well, the guy, oh, I'm losing his name right now. The guy that uh, that has all the spiders in his house. So there's, I think it's Todd. There are some Todd, weird people in these movies. I think it might be Todd Walker. Okay. Todd something because he calls himself Toddzilla. Anyway, everybody, everybody in this movie has given themselves a nickname. Also, yeah, he he talks about <laughs> being being an arcade owner's worst nightmare because he can go and play for an entire day on one quarter, right? And you know, did you when you were when you were growing up? Did you? He's also to- a girl's n- worst nightmare. Yes. Oh. Oh. Sorry. Go ahead. No. Well, that and he has. He literally has 200 spiders in his house because he loves him some spiders and video games. So, yeah, I don't know if many <laughs> girls that are like, oh, yeah, I want the spider guy. Apparently, there was a great sex appeal back in the 70s to, to this Ooh, yes. culture. But uh, that was that was a weird segment where she has a picture of Billy Mitchell with a hickey on his neck. Man, I think that... <laughs> Yeah, that that picture with Billy Mitchell and the hickey. I think basically these were some small town girls that were like, "Ooh, cameras! I'm gonna get famous." Yeah, and they made out with these guys, and then realized these are the skeeziest, like greasiest little you know nerds ever. And that I don't know, but Billy Mitchell's wife now is she's not she's out of his league for what I would consider like what he would be able to get but but the thing is he's done well billy mitchell and we'll say this for him as well he's done well beyond playing donkey kong yeah he doesn't have the spiders and he doesn't live with his parents he he has started a business he's an entrepreneur he he has succeeded beyond his his initial fame so he i i feel like as as much of as a as a tool as he can be in in these movies it seems like he he's been able to 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 make himself, you know, to to be to be a self made man, to pull right. himself up. So, you know, all all props to Billy Mitchell for doing that. And a lot of people seem to like this guy. So so clearly, there's something about him that people don't hate. Yeah, I mean, and and these guys in Chasing Ghost, you see that these guys kind of stick together, but they all have an issue with as the games moved on past kind of this initial set that was early 80s games. Yeah. They didn't really transition with those games as much. So these guys completely classify the retro gaming as a set of games, but they didn't move past with the Street Fighters and with the Mortal Kombats, and they talk about how stupid they are, and nobody wants to play them. Well, absolutely, people want to play them, but yeah, they that's why that generation, <laughs> like, they weren't part of, they missed that boat. Yeah, and then it's kind of like when a new technology is introduced, and the older people at the office are like, "Oh, this is dumb. We let let's do this the old way." Well, yeah, get on board. Like, let's all kind of like realize that. Things progress and move forward, and either you're going to move forward or you're going to stay 
back in your world. And it's almost as though, I mean, from lifestyle to attitude to even how they looked, a lot of these guys stayed in the early 80s. Yeah. Well, and and that's the that's the thing. Anytime you you get like well known or you become the best in the world at this one thing and you have this brief like you know the famous 15 minutes of fame. If if you have if you have that moment and then later on something happens to not only usurp you but to actually make everything you're good at kind of irrelevant. Right. That's going to hurt. And so there has to be – there's a defense mechanism in you, which, I mean, again, the entire movie of Chasing Ghosts is about delusions of grandeur. It's about how these guys have convinced themselves that that their narrative is is this grand epic thing. And so the, the Street Fighter, driving games, all those things are pushing that out of relevance. And so what they've had to say, they've had to create a new narrative of, well, those those are inferior games. and And so – you know, and and the same is going to be true for the next generation of, yeah. and that that anytime something is is classic becomes irrelevant by the thing that comes after it, it either has to adapt or it has to complain that it is going to that 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 the next thing isn't as good as the thing before it. Right. I mean, they even try like somebody believed in them enough to try to make this kind of a mainstream professional big deal because they paid for them to go to Boston mm-hmm. and do this what they called video game carnival. And the idea was they would set this big thing up and you could go play the pros and you could, you know, you could compare yourself to the best in the world. You could watch the best in the world play. And they thought this would be a great idea and people will come out in droves and want to kind of see the spectacle, but at the same time spend their money. And it was a huge flop. Yeah. It was just this giant, they realized that, Although these guys were gods within their own arcade, when people had to take their time to go to a specific place and really, like, spend their money, it wasn't done right. Now, I don't know. That, that may change with the, with the advent of all of the, the different cons out there, mm-hmm. right? Like, so, because these different cons, like, Comic-Con and and different conventions essentially have become such a big deal. Doing a circuit like that now might actually work. I think it would. Well, and like I said, we've got a guy here who goes to these competitive Street Fighter game <laughs> events. And, I mean, I would imagine there was a time when no one would have showed up for that. But But because of the world we live in now, because everybody has access to everything, there are so many niche – groups like yeah. you could no matter what you're into you can find a group of people who are also into that exactly. and will make you feel if you're the best at that they will make you feel like a rock star yeah and so that's why th- there's all kinds of things that would have never worked that work today because because of be- because of how ubiquitous the internet is and how because because of like you don't need to live near people who play donkey kong to be connected to people exactly. who play donkey kong exactly so, I mean, I think may I mean in in a way these guys were just a little too ahead of ahead of the time to like make some money off of this, but then they stayed in that time and didn't progress. Yeah. Um because the the Toddzilla guy, um he actually did have he actually did have sponsorships and he sponsored Atari and or sp- Atari sponsored him yeah. and sold a joystick that was like his joystick or whatever. He was the Michael Jordan yes. of Atari. <laughs> Which these other guys didn't really like they weren't really a, the same um or a part of this. But I mean, I don't know that he he progressed much past Atari. Yeah. I mean, I don't think he got into the Nintendo like the NES, the original NES, I think may have been as far as he went. Well, and that's the, I mean, after Atari, games, they weren't using joysticks anymore. They were using control pads. And so it's a whole different set of skills. And you, you I mean, you had new guys showing up who were yeah. the world's best Mario Brothers players or, or whatever. And so, you know, I mean, like, like we said, I mean, in, especially in the realm of technology, which this certainly is, you've got a short window to be relevant. Yeah. And you better, you better be ready to adapt when the next thing comes or you're going to be a relic. Or you better be willing to exploit every possibility that you have during that time. Absolutely. You are, 
that you are seen as the best at something. Well, it's like being a professional athlete. You've got probably three or four really good years as yeah. a professional athlete, and then you're going to begin to decline. And the same is true in the technology world, except you don't decline. The, the technology begins to leave you behind. Yeah. And so, um, anyway, I mean, there's so many, especially since we're talking about two different movies, we're really talking about this world that these two movies are giving us. Yeah. Let's, let's kind of hone in, um, and talk specifically, let's compare the two films, okay. which is probably unfair to chase and ghost because we've already, we've already sung the praises of King of Kong. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not going to take away anything from King of Kong. Like it is, it is by far my favorite documentary. Yeah. So like. I'm not going to sit there and be like, well, it's less because of Jason Go. No, but I thought I thought it had I never seen King of Kong, I don't think I would have been as interested in Jason Go. I agree. Just like you were saying, Jason Go felt like the DVD extras for King of Kong. Yeah. Or like so, yeah, like like a supplemental bit of info, like backstory. Well, and because I've seen King of Kong so many times, it was kind of weird because I'm watching Chasing Ghost, being like, "Oh, I know who that guy is. Oh, <laughs> I've seen that guy before." It's like it's, spotting celebrities. Yeah, it was. It was like, well, I mean, it, they introduced a lot of those same characters in there, and they had just real small parts. Yeah, within the within the whole scheme of King of Kong because they weren't the two main characters. Right. So when you hear about them and when you see about them, and sometimes sometimes you just heard, like, a name. Like, sometimes you hear, hey, this guy is here that went to Fun Spot and he is playing a video game in the back. Well, you get to know that guy in Chasing Ghost, and you never saw him on camera at all, but... I've heard the name, and so now I get to know, okay, why was he important? Yeah. Because he's the ladybug champion. <laughs> and, Every know. game that's ever existed, there's someone in the world that is the best at it. Yeah. And they know it. And so – but yeah, that – I, yeah, I feel like Chasing Ghost was helpful in helping understand the world, and it did it did help humanize a couple of these guys a little bit more. Now, the thing is, and we were talking about this before we started recording, this to me, this experiment of watching these two documentaries back to back showed me how different. Like, you, you could get two different filmmakers approach exactly the same subject matter and make two completely different movies yeah. about two completely different things. Ultimately, like King of Kong to me, well, first of all, it, it felt to me like Seth Gordon in King of Kong genuinely has compassion, maybe not for each of these characters, especially like Billy Mitchell and Walter Day. I, I don't feel like he, he thinks that highly of either of those guys, but I, I feel like he doesn't, he doesn't despise the gaming world. I feel like he has, he, he reveres it in some kind of way, even though he, right. he allows the comedy in it to kind of come out. I feel like there's a part of, of the filmmaker that's like, this is kind of cool. Like there, this, this is, it's kind of cool that this is something that people do. I felt like in chasing ghosts, it was like – like I, I feel like King of Kong is about the struggle of humanity and like the idea of what it means to, to fight against something that is bigger than you and more powerful than you. And Steve Wiebe is a, is a great substitute for us in those movies, yeah. in this movie. Chasing Ghosts to me, I felt like the, even, even though the footage is probably a little bit more flattering overall, I felt like the, the filmmakers of Chasing Ghosts – I don't even know who the director of the movie was. Um, but I feel like the filmmakers of Chasing Ghosts did not – like anybody in this movie i felt like lincoln rucci lincoln rucci yeah. i i felt like as, even though the the guys the twin galaxy guys like chasing ghosts better i get the feeling ch they don't realize that chasing ghosts is making fun of them yeah I, I mean a little bit but i i think that i don't know as they see as it is making fun of them as just showcasing them at, at that I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there is that there is that part that I don't know. They can there is that part where they like they can't get out of the 1980s. But I think some of them that have a good idea that okay, yeah, I know I know how big of a nerd I was. Like, there's a couple of them that have a little bit of grasp on. Look, I. I know where I was, but I was doing it for fun. Yeah. You know? Well, and specifically the three main subject matters, um, Billy Mitchell, Walter Day, and Steve Sanders. Okay. Those – well, Steve – yeah. Those three guys I think are kind of wrapped up in their own world. Absolutely. Well, and, and you definitely get – well, and, and they, they spend a lot of time talking about Billy Mitchell's mullet. 
Yeah. They spent a lot of time talking about Walter Day's failed music career. See, that's the part that I don't get is because these guys sit back and they're like, look, there is something that takes – just because you play video games, you can't be the best at video – like you don't get to this level without being special. And they understand that there is like a level of difference between a good video game player and an amazing video game player. Yeah. But I'm not sure that Walter Day understands that there is a level of difference between a musician, <laughs> a good musician – and a great musician, and he doesn't even reach number one. Like, no, he, he doesn't, doesn't even reach musician. He is just bad. Which, which and that they spend so much. There's like a two minute long scene showing him try to play a song and failing. Yes, he. he if you can't hit the chords right on your guitar, you shouldn't be thinking about selling out venues because nobody's coming to see you. No, and and that's an exact that to me. I think Walter Day is a. Is kind of encapsulating what the entire chasing ghost. In fact, even the title "Chasing Ghost." It's about it's about pursuing this thing that doesn't actually exist. Right. In fact, the very final frame of the movie is it's a subtitle of Walter Day has sent his jersey to the Smithsonian Video Gaming Institute, and then the the next line under it says that doesn't exist. <laughs> yes. And so. That this is this is what the whole movie is about. The whole movie is about how people can convince themselves that they are a big deal when in fact they are not. Yeah. In fact, Steve Sanders, they spend a lot of time talking about his like religious, like how how deeply religious he is, and they like he names all his kids, and they all have like Hebrew, biblical, yeah. Old Testament names. And to me, that's the filmmaker saying like, look, he's just traded in one delusion for another. He's traded in the delusion of being a great gamer for the delusion of being like this this big like theological guy you know what i mean and so um like like god himself is a delusion in in the world of steve sanders it's i mean and and maybe i'm reading too far into that but i feel like why why else have all that footage of him like teaching sunday school and yeah and praying at meal times and things like that at first like i knew that he was a lawyer but like in chasing ghosts when he was sitting there and and doing all that i was like is he a pastor and but i knew he was a lawyer and then it just mentions like one quick time in chasing ghost oh yeah i'm a trial lawyer and like i knew that from king of kong but i, <laughs> I love like, that you're like piecing all these things together yeah, but from I was both like, movies but i was like why why are you showing all of this stuff within your church and i think that's what he wants everybody to see more than his law side or whatever yeah. And and that's and maybe that's it. It's not just the delusions of grandeur. It's how you want other people to see you, yeah. you know, and like how you project yourself to the world. In fact, it talks about how he he lied about his score at yes. one point. And so there there is again the whole the theme of chasing ghosts. It's not just about. I mean, it's a clever title because it's about Pac Man, but it's also I think it means more than that because it's about all these different people who are pursuing this thing that is actually there. Yeah, you know. And so I, I do think I think it's clever in that way. However, I feel like. I feel like it was unnecessarily cruel to to its subjects, especially since they watch the movie and don't know. You know what I mean? Right. Like that that they can get to the end of that movie and not realize, especially Walter Day, to get to the end of that movie and not be like, "Oh wow, I I totally have been living in a fantasy," you know, with my music thing. And and so uh, for for that, I think King of Kong is a better movie. A because it tells a tight a much tighter story, and B because I think it's a lot kinder. It, it, even even though it vilifies some of the people in the movie, I think it's kinder to the world in general right. than Chasing Ghosts. Well, and uh, Lincoln – I read an article by Lincoln Rucci about kind of his dealings with Chasing Ghosts and things like that. And all of these guys like Chasing Ghosts better than, than uh, King of Kong. But like to your kind of – when you're saying they don't realize he's making fun of him, I mean, one of the things that they ask him in the, like his attitude toward this is like, I just wanted to document this, this crazy world. Right. And, and his attitude within the article was they asked him, they said, were you able to get all interviews with all of the people from the life magazine photos and, um, you know, and just not use some of them. And he said, he said, well, obviously I wasn't able to get the dead guy. And like, I mean, just like his his cavalier attitude about, oh, yeah, by the way, there's one guy in there that's no longer with us. Like, <laughs> you know, and like, and then he was like, yeah. And then a few people said no, because they don't want to talk about that part of their life. Like, 
And so, I mean, he understands that, yeah, like, like this is – these guys are weird. Yeah. And, and so, um, I mean, he's saying this all right before he's about to go into uh, uh, Skywalker Ranch and, oh, nice. and meet George Lucas. And which – in and of itself is another kind of fairly eccentric guy who who got really famous for diving into nerd culture. Oh yeah, I mean uh, you could you could even argue he's the got the grandfather of nerd culture. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. funny. And and so see that that's interesting. Well, and and I mean going back and thinking about all the different segments you see in this movie, it's clearly that's what they were doing. Clearly, yes. he, especially like how much time he spent talking about Billy Mitchell's mullet. The mullet is the most ubiquitously mocked haircut of all time. Yes, and they have like they, they have like a like almost like a cut montage of people saying mullet, 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 yes. and like as if to say this guy has no idea. Even though he sees himself as the the biggest dog in the in the pack, he's got he's got the worst haircut on earth. Well, when you watch, this is another like weird side note, but when you watch uh, Chasing Ghost. On Netflix, it will come up and say other movies that people have liked from like that you might also like is it's a documentary called American Mullet, <laughs> and it's all about the mullet. We need to we need to add that to our <laughs> list of, of movies to watch. I've, I've seen. I actually own a copy of it. Uh, of course, you <laughs> yes, do. I do. <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, like I just thought it was funny that that was one of the suggestions because of Billy Mitchell's mullet. That is – that's true. Well, that I mean the word mullet gets yeah. said a dozen times in Chasing Ghost. So, of course, I mean that's going to pop up in a keyword search. Yeah. So, well, let's let's do ratings. Let's let's do King of Kong first, although I think it's pretty obvious how we're going to go here. Why don't you go first though? I mean King of Kong – We do a 1 to 10 rating yeah, system by the way. I mean King of Kong is by far and away my favorite documentary. If On a 1 to 10 rating – uh, I'd give it a fifteen. Yeah, so, agree. It it it, it bumps yeah. its head on the ceiling and then crashes right through yeah. right, to me. Um, I I I think there are only a couple of other documentaries I've given a ten to. The only one in my in my current memory is the Interrupters, but King of Kong. I I will all. I mean, because ten is as high as we go. I'm gonna give it a ten, but it's it's better than the Interrupters. Yeah, and the Interrupters to me is a is a phenomenal documentary. So that's. As, as close, Interrupters is as close to greatness, the greatness of King of Kong as we've gotten here. But it's it's funny too because King of Kong is uh, it's a comedy. Yes, but Interrupters is not a comedy. And so I mean, th- there's a genre question here. But I mean, it's just go- a good documentary is a good documentary. Yeah. And so what? And that's another thing is that I think this shows us also that documentaries can be in a genre. You have comedies, yes. you have dramas, you have tragedies. We've done like Into the Abyss, and the, which was clearly like a crime tragedy. Yeah. And so. Um, King of Kong is like clearly in the comedy genre, and it's good at it. And Seth Gordon is clearly a guy who watches for comedy because he did Four Christmases and he did yeah. Horrible Bosses. I mean, this guy this guy thinks like a comedy director, yeah, and it absolutely. comes out of King of Kong. And and then as far as chasing ghosts goes, I mean, I I really like it, and it gets a bump because of King of Kong and. I mean, I I think I would I'd give it a nine and a half. Wow, that's really I, strong. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And if King of Kong doesn't exist, does it still get a nine and a half? I don't know. I mean, it, it may get may get an eight and a half for me. I mean, I, I liked it that much. I thought it was I thought it was good because I got so fascinated with this world within King of Kong that I wanted to know more, and it provided everything else I wanted to know. Mm. So I don't know if I would have been that interested in the world without King of Kong, but, but because I am, because, I mean, because that happens, I mean, you can't take away, like, if you really like a, a band making a documentary about that band, like you had to like the band first. Yeah. Right. I like the world because of the first documentary. So the second documentary made me like that documentary. So in the same way that Pearl Jam 20 – like you like Pearl Jam 20 because you like Pearl Jam. Exactly. So that's that's, that's a good – Pearl Jam didn't exist. Obviously, I couldn't like Pearl Jam 20. Right. Or or even a movie about grunge music, right? Mm -hmm. Like had had there just been – I would be interested in a movie about grunge music because I like grunge music. Yeah. Because I like the idea of this really weird world. I like the idea. I mean, I like the documentary more. Yeah. So, 
I think people who wouldn't be interested in this at, in in the in the world of retro gaming and these people who just get stuck in the eighties, I think that it wouldn't appeal to them as much as it did. I, I have a, a slightly lower. I'm going to give it a six. Okay. Um, and and the reason is I as as much as as interested as I am in this world, I have. I have this need because, I mean, like, like we said, a documentary is just like any other movie. You need a story. You need characters that you can kind of connect to. And to me, I I don't I, I wasn't compelled by any of these characters. It's not about being li- likable. I don't need a character to be likable. Like we talk about one of our favorite shows, each, you and I, is Breaking Bad. Yeah, that that show you could argue that show has no likable characters, right. but every one of those characters is compelling. And there's a difference there. And to me, none of the characters in Chasing Ghosts. I mean, obviously they're not likable, but they're also not compelling. They're not. Like they they become too much of a joke for me to be yeah. interested enough in them. And like like by by the time we get to the third act of this movie, I'm tired of all these guys. I I feel like I feel like they have all each of them in their own way has their own head up their own butt, and that's that's enough. Yeah. And so as inter- I'm I give it six because like you like you I'm very interested in that world, but I, it loses me when it it fails to give me anybody I can be interested in for a very long time. So that's uh-huh. that's my so that but King of Kong again, ten plus. But um, so that that's us. That's Chasing Ghosts and King of Kong. I I would recommend watching both these movies just for context yeah. for for one another. Um, our next movie is going to be called the Queen Queen of Versailles. Yes, and uh, this is one that is fairly recent, and so uh, I've not seen it yet. You, I have not seen. it Okay, either. so we're both so coming into this fresh. In. So the next time we get together, it'll be Queen of Versailles. All right, All right. see you next time. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down, you're the best. Oh, wow. Nothing's gonna ever keep you down, you're the best. Oh, wow. Nothing's gonna ever.